This is the Ezra Podcast. Make sure this mic's good. I've been, I've been having problems with the mic lately. I don't know why. It was everything was going smoothly with the mic. Now it's like shaky. It's, it's really shaky with the mic. But let's get to this weekend's fights. We have the return of Tiafimo Lopez at 140 pounds. Let's pull this picture up. The return. The takeover. Part two. Right? 140 pounds. And... In a fight that's very important for his career. A fight that, you know, it's going to be really important to see if he can jump the line in the 140-pound division with guys like Josh Taylor, Cepeda, Jose Ramirez. And, you know, it's a, it's because it's such a deep division, you don't want to have to work your way up, right? You don't want to have to... You know, the actually going slowly at 140 pounds would actually be worse for him. Because going slowly at 140 pounds would mean you'd have to go through guys like Barbosa, right? Um, Brian Jack, Sandor Martin. Like, th- these are just the names. I'm not saying that they're, they're all the top rank, but I'm just saying these are the names you'd have to go through. In a deep division like that, you would have to go through still quality names over to get to the spot. So if he can get a good win here, right, against, um, if you remember, say, uh, Pedro Campa. He, he can and look effective and look impressive and get the people's uh, captured imaginations again. He can jump in line and he can put himself in a position for some big fights. Also, Debbie Haney, who's you know lingering at 135 but could be going to 140 soon, could put him in a position for that fight. Now, there's also rumors of a Ryan Garcia fight. I'm gonna give you my thoughts about that later. Just you know, just a, a little uh. Uh, sneak peek of what my opinion is. I don't believe it, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk to explain what the hell's going on there. But let's talk about Tiafimo and his fight with Pedro Campa. Pedro Campa is, uh, he's got an impressive record, right? Has one loss. If you look at the loss, he was winning the whole fight and then he gets caught with a massive left hook and it's just over. He cannot recover from that left hook. It was a massive shot. Now, all his fights are in Mexico. It's hard to really tell how good he really is. That's the truth of it. Now, the example I could use is Mauricio Laura, right? Mauricio Laura, when he was going to fight Josh Warrington, I understand what they were thinking when they made that fight. Now, people say, oh, what were they doing making this fight and, and all these things? But if you watch Mauricio Laura on tape, he doesn't look that good. He doesn't stand out. He just looks tough. He looks like he throws a big, nasty left hook, but it didn't look like overly impressive. It didn't look like he had a lot of gifts. You couldn't even tell really how big he was, his size. He just really blended in and a lot of times that happens in Mexico right and you, you got to think about it you're fighting tough guys and you're fighting guys that maybe don't look like physically gifted but they're very tough very durable and you can't really tell how hard they hit because everybody has a good chin there so sometimes you cannot really tell how good a guy is until he gets out of there and you see a matchup with uh guys from America or the or, or Europe you can't see so with Pedro Campa yeah see it doesn't look outstanding right on tape fighting uh guys in Mexico but they're very tough they're very durable so maybe his power is more uh, is more effective. Maybe the shots add up more. Maybe he is extremely durable. Maybe he can walk through stuff. Maybe he's going to keep coming forward. Maybe he has a very good pace. All these things we don't really know. It's hard to tell. Right? I told you, when I saw Maurice Laura, all I knew was like he has a big left hook. If he can land that left hook, you know, it'd be, it'd, that's the most interesting point of the Warrington fight. That's what ends up happening. He has a big left hook. That fight's over. And Maurice Laura's a contender now. And a lot of people don't want to fight him. Right? There's talks of like, oh, that Lay Wood's going to fight him. Right? And people were like, that's ridiculous. He's going to get knocked out. Then you, no one was saying that when he was fighting Warrington. No one was like, oh, he, he, 
you know, he sh- uh, Laura's going to put him to sleep. No one was saying that because you couldn't see it. On tape, you just could not see it. It wasn't a thing there. Oh, on tape, this is uh, a for sure, you know, this guy's a threat. He's going to be scared. No, that's why it was a massive upset because you, you couldn't see it. So, Pedro Campa, we're going to find out. That's really the truth of it. We're going to find out. It's a lot of questions going in there on both sides because we want to know too. Fima's going to look at 140. How's he going to look like, you know, after the loss? The thing I, I went back and looked at the Camposos fight. And I also look at the um, fight with Magdaleno. The Magdaleno is just the patience, right? Is the, the thing is the two females, he was, he was so patient. He, now, he was able to capitalize on these moments, these openings, because he was so explosive and his timing was so good and he was so balanced. But the patience, he never really, he, he, if, if, he was knocking guys out early at that point. But because this fight, uh, Magdaleno was a little more durable, a little more crafty. Two females never rushed it. He was like, okay, I'll, t- I'll take it when you give it to me. And when you don't, I'll, I'm going to be, I'm not going to walk myself into stuff. I'm not going to force the issue here. I'm just going to take what you give me. And I know that I hit fast enough, hard enough, and pinpoint enough that when you will eventually give more, I will take more. That's what his mind frame was. Then you go to the Camposos fight, and this is after a lot of success. He beats uh, Lomachenko, which shows a lot of patience in that fight as well, and really responds and makes Lomachenko go, uh, you know, at the second half of the fight, like, he, he does kind of have to, you know, it, it kind of gets put on him, but he's patient enough to get, not get flustered, he gets back in the fight, and, like, last round, he really steps it up to secure the victory for himself. But you know, the fight, and everything's forced, and everything is rushed, and it's really, that's the most important part. It was rushed. All his work is rushed. So, nothing's pinpoint. Nothing is together. It's just big shot after big shot after big shot, looking to get out of there. Because he thought so low Campos's. That they and they didn't think he belonged in there. That they thought I can go in there and literally look for the knockout with every shot, and it will eventually come. And they never backed away from that strategy, ever. They never did. Even when the fight was struggling, even when they it felt like you know you had to know he was losing, you had to know that it was at least you know in the worst it was a very close fight. They still stuck with the same strategy. And a lot of times, what happens is you get in the rhythm of a fight like that. You get in the rhythm of like I'm gonna come forward, I'm looking for a knockout, and you can't get back in the rhythm of how you usually perform. You can't get back to like being a patient counterpuncher or boxing around the ring or just, you know, slowly working uh, pressure with, like, body shots. It's just sometimes you get stuck in the mode and mentally to get out of that mode. To fight a different fighting style is very hard. It's a very underrated thing that's not really talked about a lot in boxing. I understand because maybe, um, you know, the one thing you have to realize is a lot of the guys that talk boxing, a lot of the guys that um, do the commentary, do the, they had a lot of success in boxing. That's just the truth of it. They've had a lot of success in boxing. And maybe they haven't dealt, haven't dealt with the failures, right? So talking to me, I'm a guy that's dealt with a lot of failures in boxing. I'm very familiar with failing in boxing. I know those mind frames. And I know that sometimes when you you come up short and stuff, and it's there's reasons behind it, right? And there's a lot of mental, there's a lot of mental things to it. And that's a big thing. And you've seen it in the Chris Colbert fight when he fights Hector Garcia. That's another part where he starts off the wrong way and he can't get back to his regular style. Uh, you see it in the Josh Taylor fight when he fought uh, Catterall. He starts off aggressive, not respect, and then when it ends up in a tough fight, he can't go back to the style that he's effective with, which he would fight every other top guy with. He can't do it. And that's exactly what happened to Tiafimo. So Tiafimo, let's see if he gets back to the patience in this fight. Now, Pedro Campa is a forward pressure, working fighter. Like I said, doesn't have any physical gifts that really stand out. He's going to, you know, high work rate. I do see mistakes in his game as far as like his head gets over his knee. He's going to be open for uppercuts. He's going to be open 
for counter punches just because he throws a lot and he's not the fastest. So there's just openings there that Tifimo is going to be able to see. Now, Tifimo has to be patient though because Tifimo, a lot of times what happens when you can hit a guy like how, how Tifimo is going to be able to hit Kampa, you get really confident into it and you kind of just turns into a punching bag in your mind. And you're just like, why would I stop hitting him? But every time I swing, I'm hitting him and I'm hitting him with a lot of power. Why not just keep doing it and just keep basically, you know, spamming my, my, uh, my punches until I get a stoppage because that's what it feels like it's coming if I keep landing like this. But the guy like Kampo who could be very durable, then you end up in a slugfest. You, slowly, you end up in the fight that he wants because he's gonna survive those shots. He's it's gonna it's gonna take more than just putting everything on him because that's the kind of fight he wants to be in. And sometimes guys can get greedy and then they end up in the rhythm like I'm talking about. And mentally, they're in uh, all offensive fight and then suddenly their offense starts slowing down and. This guy's offense starts picking up, and suddenly you're in his fight. So it's going to take a lot of discipline for me from TFM in this fight. I'm going to see a lot from TFM. I'm going to see where he's at mentally. I'm going to see where his style is, where his technique is, where his discipline is. And I need to see where his power is at 140 pounds. I'm going to pick TFM to win this fight. I'm going to say TFM gets even the stoppage in this fight because of the openings with the uppercut and the left hook. But I expect it later in the fight. I expect it around the ninth or 10th round. And I think it's going to take some patience. I think there might even be some rounds where Tifimo is maybe uh, overly cautious. But I will expect him to get stoppage. I will expect him to find the openings and eventually take full advantage of them. Now, if he gets in a fight where, he, you know, like I said, he lands, early, lands good early and he just keeps going for it. And then he ends up in a Campbell's fight again. And he ends up in a fight where it's in the uh, um, Pedro Campa's uh, rhythm and the way he wants to fight and the pace he wants to fight. Then he could be in a lot of trouble and it could get very interesting. This is a very important, very important part in Tifimo Lopez's career. He has all the talents to really be something, but you've seen... In a lot of sports, not just boxing, but in a lot of sports where the mentality just, you know, they always say like uh, for a quarterback, you know, a million dollar arm, but 10 cent head. Or in baseball, they say that a lot sometimes. Um, that could be the thing for Tifimo, right? You hear his interviews and it's very questionable and you get, you know, it's almost concerning in a way. Is he ever going to be able to put it together, at least mentally in that ring? That's what we're going to find out. This is actually, I think, Pedro Campos is the perfect guy to find that out. Because if you fall apart mentally, Pedro Campos is going to kind of, the kind of guy that's going to be on you. And remember, this is only a 10-round fight. So that might help Tiafimo, especially if he can't get Pedro out of there and Pedro starts coming on late. So we're going to watch that. On the undercard, you have Xander Zayas versus Elias Espadas. I'm not really familiar with Elias, but Xander Zayas I think we're all familiar with. Um, Puerto Rican could be a huge star for top rank. Looks to have the good. Looks to have the goods. I think he kind of punches weird. I know that's a weird thing to say, but just look at the motion when he punches. It's kind of like arm punches. It kind of feels like. I'm curious to see how that you know, uh, goes as he gets to a higher level. If that's gonna be a problem, but very talented. Uh, you're also on the undercard. You're gonna have Troy Isley on the undercard. Duke Reagan. Uh, these are two Olympians. So. A lot of young talent. They're throwing a lot of young talent in this undercard. Probably a lot of one-sided matchups. But 
you know, it's good to see the future, right? And TFM was the, really the selling point for this weekend. Now, is that really any other fights? There's a Tevin Farmer, Mickey Bay fight that's been built up, was supposed to be uh, in another country. Turns out it's just going to be in Arizona now. Not really a fight that I don't think anyone's, you know, clamoring for. I think you actually have to order it, too. I think it's a pay-per-view, so that's on you if you want to watch that. There's nothing really on the undercard that really stands out to me. So, it is what it is, this card. Um, it'll probably be, like, on Fight, on, like, a Fight app or something like that. Fight TV, whatever that is. I did want to talk about some of the news and notes since we do have a light boxing schedule this weekend. Andrade versus Janabek. It seems like Janabek has Andrade uh, cornered. Some people don't like the way I phrased that, but if J- Andrade doesn't really have any other options, give me another option for Andrade that makes sense right now for this point of his career. No, you can't name it, right? And the only one that really makes sense is Janet Beck. So what does that mean? He's cornered. Because it's not really a fight he wants. It's not going to be a payday he wants. So it's really a situation where the only logical boxing move in boxing sense is Janet Beck. Then that would mean you're cornered. Now, if he doesn't take this fight, I think a lot of people are expecting me, a guy that's, you know, I understand a, a Janabek guy to say, oh, he, he ducked Janabek. I won't do that. I won't do that because I understand that there are no boogeyman in boxing. And if there are, it's very, very rarely. But we're really what a boogeyman is, and when we say that, it's a good fighter that can't sell. Janabek can't sell. I understand that. I talk the most about him on Twitter. There's no one else really talking about him. Okay, It's mostly me. Look him up. Search up Janabek on Twitter. You're going to see a, a mostly comments from me. Mostly tweets from me. I understand who he is. And I'm not going to um, lie or troll or, or any of these things just because, oh, that that's, you know, that's my guy. Whatever it is, right? No, no, no. I know who Trent Janabek is. And if Andrade's not going to get paid good for, a, to me, a high-risk fight, and it's kind of, you know, low reward as far as financial gain, then I understand if Andrade says, nah, that's not for me. I'd rather just not fight. Because the risk of getting in there and not getting paid the amount you feel you're comfortable with to do it, then you shouldn't do it, right? You shouldn't do it. Now, if he doesn't do it, though, there's just not a lot of situations where he can go. Maybe wait for, see how Eubanks' spin plays out. But, you know, if Eubanks wins that, he might be like, why would I fight Andrade? I mean, honestly, he, he would be in a pretty good position. And maybe he could even draw some of the guys up from like 154 to fight him if he could make that weight. So he's really, you know, as far as boxing-wise, he's just not a lot of options. But if he doesn't take this fight, I'm not going to call it a duck. You're hearing that from me. And I'm a guy that's favoring Janabek, and I kind of hype up Janabek, really because no one was really talking about him. I didn't feel like his credit, his his, uh, his skill was getting just credit. And I thought in the weak middleweight division, that it was not really a ridiculous thing to say that he could be the best middleweight. Now, I would love this fight to happen because I think that would prove me right in that situation. But... If it does, like I said, it's very you can explain it. It's very reasonable. And I think that if you listen to someone else and they try to say, oh, it's a duck or Andre doesn't want to fight or he took the... It's, it's just not the case. Okay? They just gotta, there's more to the business side of boxing. And this business side of boxing could usually sp- explain every situation and why it happens in boxing. Speaking of Teofimo Lopez, we have the rumors of a Ryan Garcia now Teofimo Lopez fight because of the rumors of Ryan Garcia versus Tank fight. Are kind of falling through now, right? It was supposedly now Golden Boy saying and De La Hoya saying, and I tell you, Golden Boy and De La Hoya are, are, are pretzels. You got to take it with a grain of salt, right? You got to take it with a lot of salt. That's a salty meal right there when he says something. And when he says that Tank's team basically doesn't want the Ryan Garcia fight, that they're not interested in it, I mean, what, what he's really saying is they don't want to work with 
the zone for this fight. And they don't feel like they want to split the networks thing. And De La Hoya is very loyal to the zone. Rightfully so, because they're basically the only network that'll work with Golden Boy. So he's now claiming that he's going to do a Teal fight. Now, they have no interest in doing this Teal fight. It's not really even a possibility. They're just talking just to talk. And Ryan Garcia is saying, no, I still want the tank fight. I told them to do in uh, all respect to Ryan, I really do believe he wants a tank fight. I really believe he would fight Teal. But is um, you know that's naive of him because his man, his manager, his team, all that they don't want tank fight. They don't want it right now. They have other fights that they could still do and make a lot of money, and then eventually take cash out with like a tank fight and a 50-50 fight. That's just the business that Golden Boy's in right now. They can't really afford to lose a star, and they're not gonna they're not gonna risk him. So I. We'll tell you right now, Ryan Garcia is not afraid of anyone. I promise you. He's not afraid of Tank. He's not afraid of Tio. And none of these guys are afraid of each other. It's their teams. Their teams are afraid of losing money or losing a cash cow. That's what's happening there. Don't believe anyone that Ryan says he's going to fight because he doesn't truly have the power to do that. He, his team behind him will make the decision. And there's a lot of things that they can use as excuses to get in the way of this fight being made. With Tank or Tio, they're not going to happen. Most likely, Ryan Garcia is going to fight uh maxi hughes or some other guy that golden boy can concoct to fight him and then he'll fight the winner of zapata and jojo diaz now we have other news big news very big news oh i saw this picture up the return of deontay wilder now it was reported that deontay wilder will be fighting helenus in uh, New York, or actually is in New Jersey, or Brooklyn. Brooklyn is in New York. I'm not sure which one. But Gazzy Walter will be returning to fight Helenus uh, in October. In a really a, a good fight with two big men that can punch. Of course, like no one punches like Wilder. These guys do have some experience sparring each other, but I think it could be a very interesting fight. I would expect Wilder to win that fight. Like I said, I have to break it down more to really... You know, give you the breakdown of it, but I would to me right now, if just announce it, I'm leaning Wilder pretty heavy. But I think it's a good fight, I think it's an interesting fight. And I think Elanis has confidence coming off of two vicious stoppages of Kanaki. Now, Wilder wins this fight, kind of seems like they're hoping or you know, dreaming to set up a Ruiz versus Wilder if Ruiz could get back past Luis Ortiz. Not a guarantee. Now, if they could set that up, that'd be a big fight. Also, a fight that could be made now. Especially if Anthony Joshua loses, right? Which I think a lot of people feel like he is. It's going to be a repeat situation. I'm not necessarily one of those people. But just, just in this scenario, let's just say he loses. The biggest fight could be made for him if he loses that fight. Is Deontay Wilder. Because Tyson Fury is going to fight Usyk. For undisputed. And we this fight that's been marinated for who knows how long. Debated, talked about for years can finally happen and i really don't think it lost any of the luster even with none of these guys having a belt even with while they're coming off two ko losses to fury and if joshua's coming off two losses to Usyk, i still think this is a huge fight i still think it's a very entertaining fight and still a fight that i want to see i've been clamoring for this fight i think it should be made i think it'd be a shame if we don't get it so anthony joshua versus deontay wilder deontay wilder versus andy ruiz or any reason, I mean, Deontay Wilder versus Usyk, or Joe Joyce, or any of these guys, Deontay Wilder is exciting to watch. I'm glad he's back. I can't wait to see him. I don't know why people would ever be negative toward Deontay Wilder. I understand, like, 
you know, the thing is that I keep arguing, right, is there's, I understand that the whole Deontay Wilder, the, you know, the reasons he lost the fear, all that stuff, I get it. It was controversial. All these things happened. It was huge debates over Twitter. It is what it is. We've got to stop um, blaming the fighter, though, for, like, if you don't get along with someone and they like a fighter, okay, but that's not the fighter's fault, okay? And this, I see this with Lomachenko. I see this with Deontay Wilder. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Okay, I like the fighter. I don't, I don't give a damn about their fans. I don't give. A, I like Deontay Wilder. He's entertaining. He's a very good fighter. I think he's underrated skills. I think he has. Well, he's one of the most interesting men when he gets in the ring because he can end it at any moment and viciously. And just because you know, so, uh, some fans say that you know, oh, he was uh, poisoned or all those things. What it is what it is? Who cares? Who cares? What does that have to do with Deontay Wilder? And, you know, just because Ring Magazine hypes up Lomachenko everything like that, is that Lomachenko's fault for that? Is that Lomachenko's, the, the, his decision to be hyped up like that? I guarantee if a, oh, that magazine said, I'm going to hype up to any fighter, they'd probably be like, yeah, I'm down with it. I mean, what do I care? Of course, I want to be hyped up. But we're going to, oh, blame Lomachenko for someone else saying that he's something that you feel like he isn't? And he probably isn't. And I would agree with you, but I'm not going to put that all on Lomachenko. I'm just going to examine for him for where he is in his career and what he's doing. I'm glad Deontay Wilder's back. I want to see him fight Helenis, and I'm very curious if Andy Ruiz could pull off this Luis Ortiz fight. Him and uh, Deontay Wilder, I think that'd be some pretty good buzz on that fight. I love big fights. I love big events, and I love the biggest superstars in boxing coming back to fight and staying relevant in the sport. Thank you guys for listening. Please uh, subscribe, leave a review, hit, uh, hit the thumbs up on YouTube. I'm on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening. Follow me on Twitter, Ezra Boxing. And follow me on TikTok at Ezra Boxing as well. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.